Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Renewing the Center. Uh, last week I was out of town, and so I did not hit uh, Genesis 5 and 6 as I had planned to. So we're just going to jump right back in. Today we're going to look at uh, this really tragic um, story. Um, it's amazing to me in the Bible that, you know, just a few chapters in, things get really hard. And uh, actually, that's been encouraging to me over the last couple of years because, you know, as you live your life, you get a few chapters in, things are going to be complicated. They're going to be hard. And in that sense, I think the Bible tells us the, the truest stories ever told. <laughs> so I'm going to be reading today about Noah. And I know that lots of you have lots of feelings, thoughts, and opinions about the histocracy of certain events of the Bible. Um, you know, did a flood actually cover the whole earth? Um, so here, here's what I want to say about that. And then I'm probably just going to put it to bed as we walk through the, the coming weeks. Um, you can read certain events in the Old Testament in different ways. And I know that many of you listening to me do read these events in different ways. Some of us have a very literalistic opinion of, of the scripture. And others would say, you know, there was a flood. It was a big flood. But did it cover the whole earth? Who knows? Um, I just want to say that our purpose in Renewing the Center is not to get into deep biblical scholarship. Now, that's not because I don't care about the Bible. Uh, the reason for why we're approaching the text in a very formational way here is that I believe the Bible reads us. I think that regardless of there's the spectrum of belief about certain events in the Old Testament, uh, whether people really lived 969 years or if that was code in this Semitic Near Eastern world of the ancient uh, times for super, super old, um, regardless of how you read those things, whether a flood covered the whole earth or just it was a terrible big flood that caused lots of devastation, uh, regardless of how you see those things, what I do believe we can see is that the text is telling us through it's writing something that is deeply true and applicable. In that sense, what I want to do is invite you not just to read the Bible, but let the Bible read you. Um, this story has read me in the last couple of years. Uh, Genesis, I think, is one of the reasons why we're parking here, is a, is a story that if you will allow it to, it will read you. It will tell you things about God and about you. Uh, about how God works in the finitude and the fragility and the brokenness of life. So with that in mind, I'm going to read, and then we're just going to jump jump in, and I'm going to share a few things with you. Okay, so beginning in uh, verse uh, 5 of Genesis 6. The Lord saw that the wickedness of humankind was great in the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of their hearts was on evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made humankind on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out from the earth the human beings I have created, people together with animals and creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I made them. But Noah found favor in the sight of the Lord. These are the descendants of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw that the earth was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted its ways upon the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. 
Now I'm going to destroy them along with the earth. Make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, I pray that as we spend the next few moments thinking about this passage in Genesis 6 and contemplating um, wickedness and preservation, I pray that you would give us grace to think about our lives, Lord. I pray that you would allow this ancient story to penetrate parts of our own heart, that we would have better understanding of who we are and where we are and what's going on as we read and contemplate these words in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to share just a few things, and I want you to contemplate your life as I share. First, number one, things are not going well. Uh, We see in the story that uh, there is wickedness and specifically violence all around. And the Lord notices that things are broken, that things are off track. So things aren't going well. Um, Number two, the Lord thinks about starting over completely. Uh, I've actually often thought that that might have been a better plan. (laughs) I'm not God. Um, I was actually in a, in a book club with a group of guys that I'm forging some relationship with thinking about important things connected to life and God and growth. And one of the guys just said bluntly, man, I I'm, I'm upset. I wish in some ways if I had been God, he should have just wiped the whole thing out because we're all still such a mess. And so this instinct that God contemplated wiping the board, uh, just erasing everything. And, you know, I get why God would have thought that. I actually really appreciate the fact that that's in our Bible because um, when things are a mess, when things are not going well, when when wickedness and compartmentalization and violence abound, um, it's human nature to think about starting completely over. Now, if you take this story and you um, apply it on the micro, right? Like this is God in the macro, but if you take it and, and apply it in the macro, we all have experienced times in life where things are not going well. And we think like, I just love to blow my whole life up. I was actually there not long ago. Uh, just the thought of, and don't overinterpret this, but the thought of death became uh, not as remote and not as bad as I would have thought at other times. Many of us probably have experienced pain and loss and confusion and disorientation and in those moments in one way or another and and i'm not even right now talking about like suicidal ideation i just think like the thought of gosh this would just be easier just to wipe the slate clean like just blow up that life blow up that career blow up that marriage um uproot and go somewhere else god thought about starting over things were so broken they were um, so mixed, so so dark. Um, the experiment was not going well. And, you know, a couple of years ago, I was in a place where I thought, you know, the experiment of creating Christian community and trying to be faithful in a city and uh, trying to do something for God was so off track that I was like, this isn't even worth it. Like this, the church I pastor shouldn't even be a thing. This is just a mess. Well, that's where Moses, where Noah was, and that's where the Lord was. But the third thing we see is that in the midst of all that darkness, in the midst of all that violence, in the midst of all that mixture, um, one, one person, one family found favor. And we know from the biblical text, as we will see soon, Noah is not perfect. Noah's not like a choir boy. Um, he has a penchant toward drunkenness and nakedness, <laughs> as we will see. 
So he's not perfect, but he does love the Lord and God sees him. And in the midst of all that brokenness, God says, something here is worth saving. And this is where, from a, from a formational perspective, I look at this story and I would invite you to look at this story and to look at your life and to see that maybe right now you are in a complete mess. Maybe things just seem like they are too far gone. Maybe uh, a, a series of relationships or your calling or your job or your family or some area or areas of life seem like they are just broken beyond repair. I just want to say, even in the midst of all that is wrong, God is able to look into the story and see something worth favoring and preserving. And this was life-saving for me because we tend to view ourselves as one way or the other, all, all good, all bad. And if we're not all good, then we're probably all bad. If, if things aren't quite like they ought to be or not even close to like they ought to be, then sometimes we just think, well, we ought to just blow the whole thing up. And the Lord looks in all the mess and he extends favor to Noah. And the next thing that happens is that God tells Noah in the midst of all the brokenness, in the midst of all that's wrong, in the midst of all that it, it isn't right, in the midst of all the violence, in the midst of all the mixture, in the midst of all the sin, he says, I want you to build something. Now, I want you to put yourself in Noah's situation. Before the rain started to fall, God told Noah, Life is not like it ought to be, but I want you to create a structure. I want you to build something. I want you to build a boat. I want you to create a shelter for, for yourself and for others, for other life, for what's coming. So God asked Noah to partner with him to create space for preservation. And I just want you to hold that idea. What does it look like for you in the midst of all the mixture in your own life, in the midst of all the pain, in the midst of all the discouragement? What does it look like for you to create partnership with God, to create space for preservation, for refuge? That's a really important question. For me, part of this is, is living a rule of life. I've said it here on the podcast, the Spire model, my spiritual life, my physical life, my intellectual life, my relational life, my emotional life, tending to the parts of me. That's part of my boat. Where's your refuge? How is God? Because I promise you, your life is a mixed bag, just like it was for Noah. And I promise you, God is asking you to partner with him to build something, to Create a space for preservation. So what does that look like for you? Because the truth is Noah had no control over the macro wickedness in the world. And I would go further. Um, he also probably wasn't totally aware of some of the micro brokenness and wickedness in him. And yet he couldn't save the world and probably couldn't even resolve all of his own stuff. But God in the middle of all of that says, I want you to partner with me to build something. I want you to create a space for preservation. So important. And I just want to say this. It's really important for you and for me to know where our refuge is and where it's not. Your refuge, it's not your job. 
even if you have a great job. And I just want to say to those of you who are pastors, I'm looking at you. Your job in the church, that is not your arc. Good Lord. There were times in the last couple of years where my arc, I, I became confused thinking that my arc was my calling. My arc was my church, my job, because it was a holy job. It was a meaningful job. And that is not where I found preservation in life. Some of us, all of us, have to disconnect ourselves from the things that we attach to and assign too much refuge meaning to that are not what God is asking us to place our trust in. It's not your calling. It's not your job. It's not your uh, image, your reputation. Um, none of those things are bad, necessarily. But, but goodness, that's not what God's asking you to build. It's not your kids. It's not your family identity. Uh, the Lord wants us to be the kinds of people who get clearer than we ever have been about what he's asking us to create. And then that leads us to the to the last thing that I think we're, we're meant to hold here, which is that um, out of that structure, God preserves a small but very important remnant. Not everything is saved. We'll look at this next week. But something and some things are preserved. As I navigate the storms of life, and gosh, you know, as I look back over the last couple of years, so much has been lost. Uh, there are relationships that aren't where I wish they would be. Uh, there are parts of my uh, my life that I that I wish felt better than they do. Um, there was a lot lost. Um, I think, in many respects, as we walk through and navigate the storms of life, we we walk with a limp um, for the rest of our lives, and. When I see the story of Noah, there's a lot to grieve in this story. Lots of people and lots of animals die in this storm. And, and it's really important for us to grieve those losses, even as we thank God for the fact that he is all about preserving a remnant. Life persists. And so if you're in the middle of a season of, of devastation, if the storm waters are lapping at the door of whatever it is you've built and you're not sure you've built very well and you know that what you've built is about to be tested by some really adverse circumstances, I just want to say God is intent on preserving life so that you will move forward. His plan for us is that we would move forward. And so wherever you are and whatever it is that's going on, I just want you to hold that idea that there is a remnant space, even in you, that the Lord really cares about. And that there is a way for us to navigate a future, even as we walk through seasons of loss and grief and devastation. So next week, we're going to hold some more of these ideas. We're going to think about storms and how they come and they go. And how we're meant to test the ending of a storm. And I'm really looking forward to that time. But for now, I pray God's blessing on you. I pray that you would hold this story and that you would allow it, as we said at the beginning, to read you. God bless you. We'll see you soon.